Hey, Brenna, I've got the show, but I just, I don't know how to open it. Uh, how about, oh, I solemnly swear I am up to no good. <gasps> Mr. Zamuni, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs are proud to present Fun Fiction! <laughs> Welcome to Fun Fiction, ladies and gentlemen, the weekly show about movies, media, and the people that write about them. I am your host, Scotty Moore. What up, witches and wizards? I'm your other host, Brenna Clark. And I think it's finally happened. I've finally become a full convert to the world of Harry Potter fandom. Oh, you're a Potterhead! I can fondly say, because, like, any time we went, we just went on vacation to Gatlinburg, which, by the way, just if you want anything Harry Potter, go into any store, and they'll have weird off-brand shit, but it'll still be there. Yeah. And I would, I would explore. I'd be like, oh, look, there's the Marauder's Map, and look, they've got this! Awesome! Oh, look at you finding stuff. I'm so happy. We've converted me. Because, like, after the first <laughs> one. We've converted me. Oh, after the first one, I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know if we can get seven apps out of this. And then by the third one, I did realize something about the Harry Potter films is that they're like a basketball game. Okay, elaborate. In that, like, the first two hours just don't fucking matter. And then yeah. there's, like, this baller 30 minutes where everything gets thrown at you and it's really awesome. And you're like, he's a dog? Oh, shit, that dude was a rat. Oh, my God, now he's a wolf, but he don't want to be a wolf. So it's like Space Jam. <laughs> 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 yeah, you remember that awesome part of the end of Space Jam where Bill Murray turns into a werewolf? Yeah, that's my favorite part, actually. <laughs> oh my god, B. So we watched Prisoner of Azkaban, which is apparently literally everyone else in the world's favorite. Besides me. Holla! I mean, with me... With me... I, I think Chamber is still, of the three I've seen, Chamber is still number one. Because after a while, this movie did rely a lot on the whole everybody's a dog thing. <laughs> no, not a dog. There were other species in there. There's also a rat thing. Oh, and also Hermione has a fucking time machine. This is the one where they pulled the rails off and just said, let's go as balls to the wall crazy as we can. Well, look, you know, it's like it's a it's a literal wi wizarding world, and so you've got to have some magic-ass stuff, you mm -hmm. know? Now, at that point of the movie, when everyone's revealing themselves as animals, I did come up with some alternate film titles. Uh, Harry Potter 3, Dogfight. <laughs> Harry Potter 3, Dog of Justice. Uh, cool Animal Party was one. I like that one. Uh, Harry Potter 3, Paw Patrol. No! And then Harry Potter 3, Animals Are Cool. Well, that one's a little lackluster, but no, we'll get there. That's fine. Also, I do love the introduction to the Time Turner being like, Time is a terrible thing to be meddled with. Fucking get out that time machine, Hermione. Kick some ass. But listen, just the fact that, like, there's there's a, a time device, and what it's being used for is to go to more classes. Like, right? That's the least punk rock thing I can think of to now, do with a time machine. 
In the books, do they reveal she has it earlier, or are they just like... Because in the movie, it comes out of fucking nowhere. It really does. It's just like... I think when he's like, come up out, like at the 12th chime or whatever, I'm like, oh, okay, they're going to have to very quickly do something. And then her body is just like, actually, I have a time machine. I'm like, couldn't you have brought up something earlier? And Emily made the point of the moment where... um, the moment where they look and Hermione's suddenly in class when she wasn't before. She's like, that's supposed to be the hint. And I'm like, that's one shitty hint. That just means she has friends that don't notice her. (laughs) There are more like hints like that in the book, I think. But if I'm not mistaken, I'm due for a reread, but I think it's the same concept that they're just like, how did you get to this class? You were just in this one. And she's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Also, is Dumbledore, like, God? Like, is he all-knowing? Because when they leave Hagrid's shack, he's clearly, he clearly knows that they're behind him, because he's like, oh, yes, look at the beautiful pumpkin fields in the other direction. And I'm like, wait, hold on, does he know? Did he know this whole time? I mean, he he's like the world's most powerful wizard, pretty much, so, yeah. So Dumbledore is God confirmed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> also, I love, this is the first time I made notes while watching the film, and there are some that I can talk about at length, and then there are some where I just wrote, Snape always enters a room, like, fuck off, Janet, I'm not going to your fucking baby shower. Oh, Snape. God bless Snape. This movie might have my favorite Snape scene of all time, and it's the first time we ever get a look at impotent Snape and what he does when he can't really do anything. When he goes up to the fucking, um, the Marauder's map, and he's like, read what it says, Potter, and and Harry's just like, it says suck a dick, Snape, you can look (laughs) right here. (laughs) That's exactly what it said, actually. That was the exact words, you couldn't see it. Also, speaking of goofy shit that happened in this film, this didn't happen in the film, but apparently was a blooper. Have you heard about the fart scene? The fart scene? Okay, when uh, Harry, it, it's right after the uh, the fat lady has been stolen or put in another. Pa- Which, by the way, how did doors work? Because they're like, we can't get in because there's no painting anymore. I'm like, then it's just a fucking door, dog. Well, Open it. No, but the the fact is, is that it's locked unless she opens it. Oh, okay, that's yeah, what it is. So, but um. It's the scene right after that where Dumbledore and Snape are watching all the children sleep, and Dum- <laughs> and Dumbledore's just like, "There's some fucked up shit, but it'll be okay. I'm all knowing." And Snape's like, "Okay." Uh, during that scene, during filming, apparently Daniel Radcliffe had a huge crush on the girl who was in the bed next to him. Oh, not next to him, like sleeping, like in the next bunk over. Yeah, and they hid a fart machine. In his bag. <laughs> and so Dumbledore is delivering his lines and then just all of a sudden a massive one rips out of Harry's bed. And Dumbledore keeps doing his lines. He's just like, ah, oh, yes, time will heal all wounds. It's fantastic. And then finally, after they end the scene and call cut, everyone breaks down laughing at once. <laughs> Poor Daniel Radcliffe. Why would they do that to him? I just love the fact that this is like a, I don't want to say, 
I don't want to say like a high fantasy, but it is almost like high fantasy for children. And then also there's some goofy farting happening behind the scenes. Yeah, well, you you got their children. Mm-hmm. Also, this movie had... This movie, the middle part was really good. But it might have the worst opening and the weirdest ending in any Harry Potter film. The w- Elaborate? Okay, ending is not that much to elaborate on. It's, you got a broom! Who got it for you? I don't, I don't know. Ride it. He rides the broom, zips away, and then there's just, like, this Rocky II freeze <laughs> frame of, like, you're the best around as he's flying away. And Here's... Okay, yes. Here's the thing. It ends a lot differently in the book. Mm-hmm. And the, the whole broom situation goes a lot differently. Like, they have it taken apart and reassembled to make sure that there's no, like, hexes on it or anything. There's no bombs. Yeah, and he doesn't just go riding into the sunset. Well, see, see, with me, what I thought it was, and so if I had written this movie, this is what I would have done, but I'm not J.K. Rowling. Um, I thought, it, it's Sirius gets him the broom, correct? Yes. I thought there was a spell on the broom that when Harry got on it, it would jupe him to Sirius Black's, like, house or something. That way he could, like, he'd land there, and then Sirius could lean down and just be like, I'm your daddy now. Hello. (laughs) And, like, a sweet moment to end it on. Which I did also, when Sirius first came in, I just wrote the words in all caps, Daddy Oldman, yes! Yes! (laughs) Uh, But that's why the ending's kind of weird to me. The beginning is super fucking weird. Because the beginning basically says, like, if you thought the Dursleys were bad, there's another Dursley. Get ready for it. Oh, it March. Yeah, and it starts off, like, as this really emotional scene where she's, like, calling Harry's mom a bitch and all this shit. And then Harry fucking almost kills her. And that could have been done... So epic and, like, emo and dark as shit. Instead, like, there's just this happy carnival music in the background. It's <laughs> Harry Potter's just out here murdering motherfuckers. Yeah, here's the thing. Like, she literally floats off into the sky. She's dead. Like, I know that in the next scene, they're just like, oh, she's fine. No, fuck off. She's dead. Yeah, you know, if you send a balloon up into space it's gonna pop at some point also that opening scene is really different for the people in the kink scene because once she started inflating i'm like man there's some people online that have just gotten oh, into no. this <laughs> oh no is this a preview of what your fan fiction <laughs> that you found is like <laughs> no this is harry potter which made me happy because that meant i didn't have to look anything up because once again my immortal oh yeah back. i forgot shit <laughs> But yeah, when when she Veruca salted up, I'm like, oh no, someone's definitely just whacked it good to that. Ew, I just why that's not anything that I ever thought about being like in the least bit attractive in any way. It's because it's I've never heard about it in relation to this scene, but I have heard people in relation to the no, not Veruca salt, Violet. The violet scene in uh, Willy Wonka apparently is attractive to some people. Well, okay. 
A, that's a child. B, she's a blueberry child. <laughs> like, we'll, we'll save it for our Willy Wonka spectacular. Oh, God. Also, uh, one of the best compliments of all time was when Emily was talking about Remus and Snape, and she was just like, they were like you and Blake back in the Aww. day. And at which point I just stopped and I said, I'm serious, right? I'm yeah. definitely serious. Yeah. And she's just like, good. Yeah. Well, you know, there's also a lot of, uh, there's a, 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 a wolf star is what it's called, their ship name, and I support it. <laughs> I'm down with it. I love that a lot, actually. There's there's a lot of good fic on it. I didn't bring any to the table, but you should look it up. It's hard to rock an orange, like, be a ginger dude and rock the mustache, but fucking Remus does. In fact, there's a wrestler that looks, I just now realized this as we're talking, there's a wrestler that looks just like Remus. Who? His name is Jack Gallagher. Hold on. <laughs> Bringing out the Google. I love Remus Lupin. He is a good, good man. And this is fucking Remus. I just now realized this is Remus. It's oh, literally- wow. You're not lying. Usually you're wrong, but you're not. <laughs> it's like straight up Remus. That's crazy. I'm looking at a picture right now, and he's literally wearing an outfit that Lupin would wear. Yeah, I know. I, I got, I'm tempted to, like, if I ever get to interview, oh my be, like, God. be like, did you know you're Remus Lupin? No, this is like, my mind is blown right now. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for a scene in this movie, speaking of people looking like other people, I was waiting for a scene where someone's just like, Mr. Dumbledore, you look different. Oh my god, let me just tell you, I'm uh, it, it breaks my heart because the first Dumbledore is amazing, and this one, I was just reading that after the movies were all done, that he was like, yeah, I didn't read any of the books, and I'm like, yeah, it showed. Because, ugh. He's oh, not, you're talking about Dumbledore 2? Yeah. Boogaloo? Yes. He's not as bad in this one as he is in the Goblet of Fire, but, like, I just, oh, it breaks my heart. Is that the one where uh, there's the meme online of yeah. Dumbledore calmly walks over to Harry? Yep. <laughs> and then, then in the movie, he's just like, did you put that in the Goblet of Fire? That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Also, is there a new dark arts teacher in literally every fucking movie? Pretty much, it's a cursed position. Well, my favorite is when, like, you gotta think Snape at one point is just like, um, alright, I'm like the most evil-looking motherfucker here, <laughs> maybe I would know how to fight these things. Well, you know what, I, Lupin would have been perfect to stay on, but the fact that everyone's racist about werewolves, apparently, mm-hmm. like, what's up with that, Wizarding World? Yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of very curious staff changes, including Hagrid, a man who never graduated. No, be nice right now, because he he knows... <laughs> Hold on, your Southern just came out so hard. Because... Like, be nice to Mr. Hagrid, he worked hard to get that position. I, you, sound like, you sound like an evil Slytherin. I will take up for Hagrid until the day I die because the care of magical creatures is the only class that I would want to take. Mm-hmm. Because and he knows more about animals than anybody. Mm-hmm. Also, God bless J.K. Rowling for being like, "All right, I killed this fucking bird deer thing. 
I probably should use the time machine to fix that, if nothing else. Because you know, if they had used the time turner and fixed literally everything, they could be, they could come back and be like, we made sure Dumbledore's never coming back. Dumbledore is, like, or not Dumbledore, uh, fucking Voldy, Voldy. Voldy's never coming back. We've cured, ev- we've cured cancer with the time turner and that bird was still dead. Everyone at home would be like, nah, fuck your books. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, yes, Buckbeak is close to the heart, and you're right, I would have been pissed. Mm-hmm. Also, I really love the, uh, the, the fuck, for some reason, uh, the executioner is just like, oh, I sharpened my blade, I'm not gonna waste it. I know! Get the pumpkins! Whap! I think the pumpkins would actually be more fun to smash, I don't know, maybe that's just me. Than Buckbeak? Yeah. Also, I I know I instantly loved the dark arts teacher last year, and I do love him this year, Lupin. There is a teacher this year that I do not know how I feel about yet. Trelawney. There you go. Sweet, batshit, crazy Trelawney. Um... My description of her in my notes is Professor Trelawney is literally every college professor ever. Oh my god, you know what? If, like, if Marlene wasn't, like... Hold on, one of our teachers at UAB, Marlene. (laughs) Sorry, if she wasn't, uh, like, I guess coherent... I feel like that's who she would be. If Marlene did a lot of drugs in the 80s. Yes. She would have become Professor Trelawney. Oh, man. That's like any... Like, if you had that English professor who was just like, all right, everybody, today we're just going to relax and we're going to talk about some Hawthorne or some shit. I don't know. Hawthorne? What's up, y'all? Also, if they ever do a remake of Harry Potter, like a weird Americanized remake of Harry Potter... I want to put in a big bid right now for Kristen Wiig to pay, play Professor Trelawney. That would be fucking great. I'm I thought it was. It. I thought it was her at first. Like when it first yeah. popped up, I'm like, why they get Kristen Wiig in this Harry Potter flick? Nah, man, not even close. They are close. I put her in that. Hold on. What are no, you we've, about? Already, we've already done our one Google search of the we show. We do get one, and that's it. Yeah. Also, mom, yeah, your boy, your boy's starting oh, to get love. it. Oh, See, he's starting to get it. I'm he's... telling, I was about to segue, I was about to say, listen, we have, I have to talk about him at least once or else we can't finish this podcast. He got that Aaron Carter look in this he one. He does. I'm like, I'm like mm, Aaron's party can come get it. Yes, right. baby. And uh, he, he's such a... A snivelly little baby in this one. I just love it. It's so good. Like, when he fucking get punched out by Hermione, also known as the scene where Ron gets his first boner. Oh my it god. Was so good. I was like, yeah! And then he gets bit by Buckbeak and then, like, uses that for the rest of the term. Like, oh, my arm hurts so bad. Pay attention to me. And I'm like, yes, let me tend to you. <laughs> Everyone else is like, quit whining. You're like, come here, child. Let me come hold so- you in my arms. <laughs> that is such a good scene of just like, oh, you're not so dangerous, are you? Bitch! Pap! He, I just, he has so many deep-seated issues that he's working through them. <laughs> also, I love Hagrid's, like, first day as a teacher. What does he do? Oh, he sends a student fucking miles away on this buckbeak, on buckbeak, flying over the ocean. He's like, this seems fine. Oh, he, he didn't finish school, Scotty. You already said that. <laughs> God bless him. 
Also, I guess we'll end the segment with the greatest scene in this movie and possibly all movies of all time. And it is, of course, the Alan Rickman cross-dressing scene set to to the mask-esque big band swing music. Yeah, you know, that's... The the Boggarts are a really terrifying thing. Mm -hmm. And leave it to poor baby Neville to, like, just cut all of that out. Mm-hmm. Well, my favorite part of it was I almost I forgot I was watching a Harry Potter movie because like most of the most of the music is all that mystical like da 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 da, and then you just see Snape appear cross dressing here. I'm like, wait, hold on, what the fuck is happening? How did the DVDs get switched? Yeah, and then there's. Probably the weirdest part where they're like, think of something funny. Oh, it just turns into a giant, horrifying clown jack in a box. Uh. And everyone else is like, that's so funny. And I'm like, fuck off. Like, I'd love if Harry walked up and he's like, think of the most terrifying thing you can. And then it just stayed. They're like, no, that's yeah. it. <laughs> and then that freaking, the tap dancing spider. I'm like, how is that not scary? I'm more scared of the spider with tap shoes on. Mm-hmm. Also, can we just talk about the fucking Quidditch scene? Because the Super Bowl will get postponed for, like, a light sprinkling. But when apparently a hurricane is coming through Hogwarts, they're like, keep going. Gotta earn them house points. Dude, Quidditch is serious. And unless somebody dies, maybe not even then, you stop playing. Also, is there no, like, vertical out-of-bounds? Because Harry is... Almost in space at one point <laughs> as Dementor. Also, why aren't you stopping the game? Because there's fucking Dementors on the field. And they're like, no, no, it's fine. Scotty, if they do that, then the evil wins. We must keep playing Quidditch above all odds. <laughs> that was my favorite George W. Bush speech. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I practiced. Mm-hmm. And then my favorite quote of the film and the the quote that I feel sums up the whole series at this point is, um, "Why do you look so miserable, Harry?" That's it. That's the whole. <laughs> like, I, heard, I heard that shit, and I'm like, "That's these whole movies, Doug. Why yeah. is he so miserable?" I mean, you do realize that his parents died, right? And he was like kept in a closet for like a really long time. <laughs> No, I like I like he says all that to Dumbledore, and the devil's like, uh, yeah, but come today, what's your fucking deal today? Uh, Draco Malfoy looked at me wrong. All right, I understand. I understand. <laughs> oh my god! And you know what I understand, Brenna? What do you understand, Scotty? I understand that apparently some people online. They're trying to bite our steez. They're stealing our gimmick, and they are reading stories out loud. They're <gasps> getting paid for it. What? I know. And how, what kind of people would we be to support these terrible people stealing our stuff over, at, over <laughs> on Audible.com? That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Audible.com is the website where you get access to hundreds of thousands of audiobooks delivered straight to your phone, Kindle, wherever you would like them. Listen to them in your car or at the gym. 
Enjoy it. You get access. You can get my book, Quizzle Corp, Quizzle Corp Risen. BS vs. the Gods is coming out in a few weeks. So you can get all of that by going to audibletrial.com slash a load of BS. You get a free 30-day trial of Audible. It supports us. You get free stuff. Brenna, what are you jamming to on the Audible 1-2s? Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm in a, a mood with a capital M, and I'm well, I'm listening to Twilight by Stephanie Meyer for the first time what? on Audible. You? Yeah. <laughs> Me! You like Twilight? I Brenna? do! I love it! It's second. <laughs> All of Brenna's Twitter followers at once was just like, yeah, we could have fucking guessed. We yeah. could have guessed. So if you want to revisit the Twilight series or listen to my books, you can for free at audibletrial.com slash a load of BS. <sighs> Oh, man, Brenna, it's going to be a tough one this week. Oh, God, I forgot that you were doing this, and now I'm just, like, anxious. It's it's gotten worse. It's bad here, man. Like, we are going to delve back into the world of My Immortal, where last time, I think Hagrid said that he loved our main character, Raven, Ebony, whatever, and then also I think Draco is dead. I don't remember that, is he? I think Draco's dead. Dang it. I don't know. Screw it. And then what I love about this is it's posted on fanfiction.net. And apparently the person who posted it did not write it. They just want to give people the access to the shitty fanfiction. Right. And so at the top they've written, Okay, people, I didn't write this. I don't claim ownership. This was done seeing no one can't seem to post a full repost to this shitty fanfiction, so I decided (laughs) to do just that. Enjoy the show, and remember after reading this, drinking bleach isn't the answer. Oh, wow. And let's get into it. Let's do Uh, it. Also, um, as with every rating of My Immortal, I'm going to put a, um, a cringe warning and also a, uh, oh, what's it called? Not a spoiler warning. Trigger warning? Yes. Huge trigger warning. Massive trigger warning on this. Author's note. Stop flamming, okay? Hargrid is a pedo, too. A lot of people in American schools are like that. I wanted to address the issue. Well, they're trying to go after the issues, so that's nice. Yeah. How do you know Snap ain't Christian? Plus, Hargrid isn't really in love with Ebony. That was Cedric, okay? Wait, what? What? I don't know, but apparently also Snape revealed himself as a Christian. I'm lost, but continue. I was about to... I'm going to try to find a way to say this in not just the most triggering way possible. I was about to kill myself with the silver knife that Drago had given... uh, That Ivan Drago had given me in case (laughs) anything happened to him. He had told me to use it valiantly against an enemy, but I knew that we we must both go together. No! I thought it was Herigrid, but it was Vampire. Vampire, by the way, to people who haven't listened to the previous episodes, is actually Harry Potter. He started to scream, Oh my fucking god, no, my scar hurts! And then, <laughs> and then his eyes rolled up. You could only see his red whites. I stopped. How did you know? I saw it! And my scar turned back into the lightning bolt. No! I ran up closer. I thought you didn't have a scar anymore, I shouted. I do, but Dio... <laughs> 
Diabalo changed it into a pentagram for me, and I always cover it up with foundation, he said back. <laughs> anyway, my scar hurt, and it turned back into a lightning bolt. Save me! Then I had a vision of what was happening to Draco. Voldemort has him bondage. Anyways, I was in the school's nurse office now recovering from my wrists. Snapping, looping, and Hagrid! She's, it's getting worse. The way she says Hagrid is getting worse every time. How? They were going to St. Mango's after they recovered because they were pet pedophiles, and you can't have those fucking pervs teaching in a school with lots of hot girls. Dumbledore had constipated the video camera they took of me naked. I put up my middle finger at them. Anyway, Hargrid came into my hospital bed holding a bouquet of pink roses. And Obi, I need to tell you, Obi-Wan and Obi, <laughs> I need to tell you something, he said in a V-serious voice, giving me the roses. Fuck off, I told him. You know I fucking hate the color pink anyways, and I don't like fucked up preps like you. I snapped. Hargrid had been mean to me before for being gothic. <laughs> no, Enobi, Hargrid says. Those are not roses. What? Are they goths too, you poser prep? I asked because I was angry that he had brought me pink roses. They're not fucking roses. I saved your life, he yelled angrily. No, you didn't, I replied. You saved me from getting a Paris Hilton p p video made from your shower scene and being videoed by Snap and Lupin, who masturbated to it. Oh, he says this. Who masturbated to it, he added silently. Wait, Whatever! Wait. <laughs> Apparently, Hagrid knows that they whacked it to it. <laughs> they masturbated to it. Whatever, I yelled angrily. He pointed his wand at the pink roses. Those aren't roses. He suddenly looked at them with an evil look in his eyes and muttered, Well, if you wanted honesty, that's all you had to say! No! That's not a spell. That's an MCR song. I yeah. corrected him wisely. <laughs> I know. I was just wa wa warming up my vocal cords. Then he screams, Petulus Marengo me crimlikim romancio! For all you cool gothic MCR fans out there, that's a tribute, especially for Raven. Love you, girl. Imonato Okeo! Imonato Okeo. Oh. Eat a dick. And then the roses turned into a huge black flame floating in the middle of the air, and it was black. Now I knew he wasn't <laughs> a prep. Now I knew he wasn't a prep. Okay, I believe you now. Where the fuck is Draco? Herigrid rolled his eyes. I looked into the balls of flame, but I could see nothing. You see, Inabi, Dumbledore said, watching the two of us watching the flame. To see what is in the flames. You must find yourself first, okay? I have found myself, okay, you mean old man? Hargrid yelled. Dumbledore looked shocked. I guess he didn't have a headache, or else he would have said something back. <laughs> Hergrid stormed off into his bed. You are a liar, Professor Dumbledore! Anyway, when I got better, I went upstairs and put on a... Oh, okay, here it is. It's time for the dress-up. The dress-up section. I went upstairs and put on a black leather mini-dress that was all ripped on the ends with lace on it. There was some corset stuff on the front. <laughs> then I put on black fishnets and black high-heeled boots with pictures of Billy Joe, Joe Armstrong on them. You can <laughs> get boots with pictures of fucking Billy Joe on them? I want them. Where do I order those? 
I put my hair all ab- all out around me so I look like Samara from The Ring. Oh. If you don't know who she is, you're a prep, so fuck off. And I put on blood red lipstick, black eyeliner, and black lip gloss. Surprising no one. You look kawaii, girl, Bloody Mary said sadly. Fangs! You do too. I said sadly too, but I was still upset. I felt totally depressed, and I sucked all of the blood out of my wrists. I cried again in my bathroom and put the shades on so Snap and Lupin couldn't spy on me this time. I went to some classes. Vampire was in the hair of ma- the hair of magical cre- The fuck? Vampire was in the hair of magical magic creatures. <laughs> he looked all depressed because Draco had disappeared, and he had used to be in love with Draco. He was sucking some blood from a Hufflepuff. As one does. I just... (laughs) That's all they are, walking blood banks, really. Hi, he said in a depressed way. Hi back, I said in a wickly... They misspelled equally. Said way. We both looked at each other for some time. Harry had beautiful red gothic eyes, so much like Draco. Then we jumped on each other and started screwing. In front of the creatures? Stop it now, you horny simpletons! Shouted Professor McGoggle, who was watching us, and so was everyone else. Vampire, you fucker! I said, slapping him. Stop trying to screw me! You know I loved Draco! I shouted, and then I ran away angrily. Just then he started to scream. Oh, fucking God, no! My scar hurts! (laughs) And then his eyes rolled up. You could only see his red whites. No! I ran up closer. I thought you didn't have a scar anymore. Wait. <laughs> I I do, but Diab- Diablo changed it in a pentagram for me, and I always cut. Co- Did someone fucking time turn this shit? Oh my god. Anyways, my scar hurt, and then I had a vision of what was happening to Draco. Volfamort has him bondage. Hey, Raven. <laughs> Author's note. Hey, Raven, do you know where my sweater is? No. Chapter 14. 13, sorry. Vampire and I ran up the stairs looking for Dumbledore. We were so scared. Dumbledore! Dumbledore! We both yelled. Dumbledore came there. What is it that you want now, you despicable snobs? He asked angrily. Volsamort has Draco! We shouted at the same time. He laughed in an evil voice. No, don't! We need to save Draco! We begged. No, he said meanly. <sighs> I don't give a darn what... Oh. A oh. darn... I don't give a darn what Voldemort does to Draco. Not after how much he misbehaved in school, especially with you, Ebony, he said while he frowned looking at me. Besides, I never liked him that much anyway. Then he walked away. Vampire started crying. My Draco! He moaned. It's okay, I tried to tell him, but that didn't stop him. He started to cry tears of blood. Then he had a brainstorm. I had an idea! He exclaimed. What? I asked him. You'll see. He said. He took out his wand and did a spell. Then suddenly, we were in Voldemort's lair. We ran in with our wands out, just as we heard a crooned voice say, A la cadavra. (laughs) Close. It was Voldemort. Oh. Oh, this is good. Chapter 14. Warning. Some of this chapter is extremely scray. Viewer excretion advised. We ran to where Volsamort was. It turned out that Voldemort wasn't there. Instead, that fat guy who killed Cedric was... Spoiler alert. 
Wow. Draco was there crying tears of blood. Snaketail was torturing him. Vampire and I ran in front of Snaketail. Rid my sight, you despicable preps! He shouted as we started shooting him with the gun. Okay. Then he suddenly looked at me and he fell down with a lovey-dovey look in his eyes. Ebony, I love you. Will you have sex with me? He said. In this, he's 16 years old, so he's not a pedophile, okay? Huh? I asked. Enobi, I love you. Will you have sex with me? Asked Snaketail. I started laughing crudely. What the fuck? You torture my boyfriend, then expect me to fuck you? God, you're so fucked up, you fucking bastard! I said angrily. Then I stabbed him in the heart. Blood po blood poured out of it like a, fant a fountain. No! He screamed. He started screaming and running around. Then he fell down and died. I burst into tears sadly. Snake tail, what art thou doing? Called Voldemort. Then... <clears throat> I don't know if this... I'm, there's multiple meanings for this. Then he started coming! <gasps> I don't know which way they mean! We could hear his high heels clacking to us. I'm just a sweet transvestite. No! no. I would love... If this, if this fix suddenly turned into Rocky Horror, this would I'd be like, okay, no, we're good. So we got on our broomsticks and we flew to Hogwarts. We went to my room. Vampire went away. Then I started crying. What's wrong, honey? Asked Draco, taking off his clothes so we could screw. Oh, I guess they saved him? I, I guess. He had a sex pack. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, if I ever get abs, I'm so calling him a sex pack. Oh. He had a sex pack and a really huge you-know-what and everything. It's so unfair, I yielded. Why can't I just be ugly or plain like all the other <laughs> girls in preps here? Except for Bloody Mary, because she's not ugly or anything. Why would you want to be ugly? I don't like the preps anyways. They're such fucking sluts, answered Draco. All right. Yeah, but everyone's in love with me. Like Drake, Snape and Lupin took a video of me naked. Hargrid says he's in love with me. Vampire likes me. And now even Snaketail's in love with me. I just want to be with you, okay, Draco? Why couldn't Satan have made me less beautiful? I shouted angrily. I'm too good at too many things. Why can't <laughs> I just be normal? It's a fucking curse. I shouted and then I ran away. Chapter 15. Ebony, Ebony, shouted Draco sadly. No, please, come back. But I was too mad. Whatever. Now you can go and have sex with Vampire. I shouted. I stormed into my room and closed my black door with my blood-red key. It had a picture of Marilyn Manson on it. He looked so sexy in a way that reminded me of Draco and Vampire. I started to cry and weep. I drank all the blood, depressed. Then I looked at my black good Charlotte watch and noticed it was time to go to biology class. <laughs> Priorities. Oh, here's another one. Uh, start playing I'm Too Sexy. I put on a short-ripped black gothic dress that said Anarchy on the front and blood-red letters and was all ripped in a spiky belt. Under that, I put on ripped black fishnets and boots that said Joel all over them with blood red letters. I put on my ebony black hair. I put my ebony black hair out. Anyway, I went downstairs feeling all sad and depressed as usual. I did some advanced biology work, you know, in the wizard school. Right. I, I was turning a bloody pentagram into a black guitar. Suddenly, the guitar turned into Draco! Imagine. That was actually the, the ending of Prisoner of Azkaban. Cool. <laughs> They're like, he was a guitar the whole time. 
Inobi, I love you, he shouted sadly. I do not care what those fucker preps and posers think. You're the most beautiful girl in the world. Before I met you, I used to want to commit suicide all the time. Now I just want to fucking be with you. I fucking love you. I feel like the whole thing needs to be read in Tommy Wiseau's voice. Yeah. Then he started to sing The Chronicles of Life and Death. We consider it our song now because we fell in love when Joel was singing it. Right in front of the entire class. His singing voice was so amazing and gothic and sexy like a cross between Gerard, Joel, Chester, Pierre, and Marilyn Manson. Oh my fucking god. I said after he was finished. Some fucking prep stared at us, but I just stuck up my middle fingers that were covered in black nail polish and were intertwined with Draco's snow. At them, I love you, I said, and then we started to kiss, just like Hillary Duff and CMM in a Cinderella story. Yeah. Then we went away holding hands. Lupin shouted at us, but he stopped because everyone was clapping by how sexy we looked together. Then I saw a poster saying that MCR would have a concert in Hogsmeade right then. Immediate, very appropriate. We looked at each other all shocked, and then we went together. And then finally, chapter 16. <clears throat> We ran happily to Hogsmeade. There we saw the stage where Good Charlotte had played. We ran in happily. MCR were there playing Helena. I was so fucking happy. Gerard looked even sexier than he did in the pictures. Even Draco thought so. I could totally see him getting an erection, but it didn't matter because I knew that we were the only true ones for each other. I was wearing a black leather mini dress and black leather platinum boots with red ripped fishnets. Draco was wearing a black baggy MCR t-shirt and black baggy pants. Anyway, we started moshing to Helena. We Frenched. (laughs) We Frenched. We ran up to the front of the band to stage dive. Suddenly, Gerard pulled off his mask. So did the others. We gasped. It wasn't them at all. It was Volsamore and the Death Dealers! <gasps> the Death Dealers! What the fuck, Draco? I'm not going to a concert with you, I shouted angrily. Not after what happened to me last time, even if it's MCR. Wait, what? Hold on. I don't. It's, she's saying I'm not going to a concert, but they're at the concert. Yeah, I don't. Don't ask questions. Even if it's MCR, and you know how much I licked him. What? Because we, you know, he gadgeted uncomfortably because guys don't like to talk about you know what. Yeah, because we, you know, I I yielded in an angry voice. We won't do that again, Draco promised. This time, we're going with an escort. Are you giving into the mainstream? I asked. So I guess you're a prip or a Christina or what now? No, he muttered loudly. Are you becoming a prep or what? I shooted angrily. Anobi, I'm not. Please come with me. He fell down to his knees and started singing The World is Blacked by Good Charlotte to me. I was flattened, because that's not even a single. He had memorized the lurks just for me. Okay, then, I guess I will have to, I said, and then we Frenched for a while, and I went up to my room. Bloody Mary was ha- standing there. How'd you mean that... Fuck, it's some Japanese stuff. Okay. She said happily. It means how do you do in Japanese. By the way, Willow, that fucking poser, got expelled. She failed all her classes and she skipped math. It serves that fucking bi- Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! There's some behind-the-scenes drama happening! Author's note, Raven, you fucking suck. Fuck you! <gasps> Oh no! I'm, I'm emotionally invested in behind the scenes. Serves that fucking bitch right, I laughed angrily. Well, anyway, we were feeling all depressed. We watched. Oh god, the fucking. 
We watched some gothic movies like Death's Nightmare Before Xmas. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe Willow will die too, I said. Kawaii! Bloody Mare shook her head energetically, lethargically. Oh yeah, oh have a confession. After she got expelled, I murdered her and then Lupin did it with her corpse because he's a ne- neckfiliac. Kawaii, I commented happily. We talked to each other in silence. Hold on! Yeah. We talked to each other in silence for the rest of the movie. Oh, hey, by the way, I'm going to a concert with Draco tonight in Hogsmeade for MCR, I said. I need to wear, like, the hot sit outfit ever. Bloody Mary nodded energetically. Oh, fucking God, let's go shopping. In Hot Topic, right? I asked, already getting out my special Hot Topic loyalty card. Same. <laughs> no, my head shaped up. What? My head spun. I couldn't believe it. Bloody Mary, are you a prep? No, no, she laughed. I found some cool gothic stores near Hogwarts, that's all. Who told you about them? I asked, sure, it would be Draco or Diablo or Vampire. Don't even say that name to me. Or me. Hold on. I I was sure it would be Draco who told her. Or Vampire. Or me. Maybe I told her. <laughs> Dumbledore, she said. Let me call our Brahms. Oh my fucking god, Dumbledore? I asked quietly. Yeah, I saw the map for Hogsmeade on his desk, she told me. Come on, let's go. We were going in a, to a few punk golf stores. I, <laughs> huffle punk golf stores, especially for the concerts in Hogsmeade. The salesperson per- was, oh my god, hotter than Gerard, except not because that's impossible. And he gave me a few dresses. We only have these for Dereal Goffs. Dereal Goffs? Me and Bloody Mary asked. Yeah, you wouldn't believe how many posers there are in this town, man. Yesterday, Lupin and Snap tried to buy a gothic camera pouch. He shook his head. I didn't even know they had a camera. I'm the fucking god, no, they're gonna spy on me again. I cried, running out of the changing room, wearing a long black dress with lots of red tulle coming out, with a very low cut and a huge slit. Oh my Satan, you have to buy that outfit, the salesperson said. Yeah, it looks totally hot, said Bloody Mary. You know what? I'm gonna give it to you free, cause you look really hot in that outfit. Hey, are you gonna be at the concert tonight? He asked. Yeah, I am. I looked back at him. Hey, by the way, my name's Ebundi Darkness Dementia Terra. Way, what's yours? Tom Ridd. He said and ran a hand through his black dyed hair. Maybe I'll see you there tonight. Yeah, I don't think so, cause I'm going there with my BF Draco, you sick perv. I yelled angrily, but before he could beg me to go with him, Hargrid flew in on his black broom, looking worried. Oh my god, Ebony, you need to get out! Get out! Get back into the castle! Now! To be continued. Oh gosh, what a roller coaster ride. In our next Harry Potter film. Yay! Oh my god. The, the Tom Riddle was a very fun reveal, though. That was a good reveal. Good on you. Yeah, good work. I want to know what's going on with Raven and the person who wrote this. Well, probably we'll find out. I'm guessing. Next, next time. Yeah. It's going to be like, you, you've you read the, or you've seen the book S, right? The what? The book S. I <laughs> think you own it. The one that was J.J. Abrams where, like, he made a book. Oh, with a yeah. Yeah, yes. he has a book, and, like, there's an actual story, and then written in the... Margins like, and stuff. The, mar- the margins is a second story. I think that's what's going on here. I think there's going to be a second story with Raven. You're probably right. 
Or maybe, no, given this shit, it's probably not that intelligent, Brenna. I don't... Oh, <laughs> uh, so, so B, that was mine. Yeah. Have fun. Great. Uh, I have a little something that, um, it's technically set in the Chamber of uh, Secrets, but since we're not introduced to um, Sirius until Prisoner of Azkaban... Um, I'm asking for a little leeway. No, no, I, I think once we've passed it, you have leeway to go back to it. We just can't go forward. Cool unless, unless you're reading My Immortal, where they're just like, oh, by the way, Cedric's dead. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, so this is The Other Prisoner of Azkaban by Jack of Some Trades. Okay. Time isn't much of an issue in, an, in Azkaban prison. Nothing much, in fact, is an issue in Azkaban prison, except occasionally food. Often, after an inmate's been there a while, not even that. So, Sirius didn't know what time of day it was when the new prisoner was brought in. He might not have even noticed another prisoner in the first place, if not for the smell. It was familiar, like soil and mold mead and a touch of various wild animals. So familiar, in fact, that the dormant canine part of his mind dragged up a memory. A man twice as tall as any other with a huge beard and a big smile. Hagrid. Sirius stood abruptly, shifted, then stood again on two legs. He hurried to the bars of his cell to peek out. Sure enough, it was Hagrid, only there was no smile hidden in that wild beard. He could barely see him thanks to the Dementor guards. He didn't know why they insisted on moving in pairs as one Dementor was more than enough to deal with any prisoner. He wished they'd move out of the way. As if hearing Sirius's unspoken request, the Dementors moved to allow Sirius to see his old friend. He was crying, but not the loud, booming sobs he'd heard occasionally before. These were tears of sorrow and anguish. They were quiet. It was heartbreaking to see those big black eyes so impossibly miserable. Perhaps that's why the Dementors moved, Sirius wondered bitterly. They wanted his misery to be more pronounced. But no, they were allowing Hagrid into his cell. The Dementors didn't push him in. Dementors don't shove. They locked Hagrid's cell, and Sirius thought for a moment, what could Hagrid, of all people, be in here for? Although he felt guilty for it, he did feel a bit bit happy that Hagrid was in the prison, too. Then the Dementors walked by his cell, and he forgot about Hagrid, as one always does with happy memories in Azkaban, leaving him only with the guilt, the sadness, and the one thought that kept him going. I am innocent. Sometime later, perhaps days, perhaps weeks, perhaps even months, Sirius remembered about Hagrid. The Dementors were elsewhere, excited because of one of the prisoners was dying and they weren't paying much attention to the rest of the inmates. With the return of Hagrid's face to his memory, Sirius again wondered what Hagrid would do, could do, to earn such a high punishment. Maybe he was innocent. After all, Sirius was innocent of his crime. But how many times is that likely to happen, his mind asked him. It happened once. Who's to say it can't happen again? After all, this was Hagrid, for God's sakes. Why couldn't Hagrid have committed a Why couldn't Hagrid have committed a crime worthy of Azkaban? Because it was Hagrid, just like it was Peter. A sobbing voice broke him out of his thoughts. Hagrid was crying, presumably in his sleep, and muttering about Norbert and his father and Professor Dumbledore. He seemed to think he'd let them all down. That he told himself is why he couldn't have done it. It's Hagrid. With that thought in mind, he leaned against the bars of his cell. Suddenly, he noticed that he wasn't really leaning on them, but through them. 
Hope lit up the darkness of his mind like a candle. Perhaps he could... No, there wasn't any way. Slipping through the bars was not a possibility for a man serious as size. But for a dog serious as size... With a slight pop, Padfoot appeared where Sirius Black had been. Yes, the bars were just far enough apart for him to squeeze through. After a moment of wiggling, he set foot in the corridors of Azkaban Prison for the first time in years, probably. It was almost frightening being in the corridors and out of his cell. The memory of his incarceration was still fresh in his mind back when time had meaning, but he couldn't focus on that now. Hagrid's bars were easier to slip through than his had been. Appropriate, since no one wants to break into prison, he thought. There was Hagrid, curled into a ball in the corner. He barely fit in the cell at all. It was the kind of thing Sirius might have found comical once. As he suspected, Sirius noticed, noticed days' worth of uneaten food sitting by the cell door. With a whimper, Sirius looked to the sleeping Hagrid and back to the food. How to do this, he wondered. What's that? He heard Hagrid say. He was still asleep, wasn't he? What are you doing out here? How'd you get in? Apparently not. He turned to look at Hagrid, who was still curled against the wall, although his eyes were now open. He sat up, wiping the tears away from his eyes like a child might. You're a grim, aren't you? I'm dying? Not if you eat, you stupid man, Sirius wanted to say. He settled for shaking his head and using his nose to push one of the plates of food to him. He whimpered and gave Hagrid an expectant look. Want me to eat, huh? Sirius nodded. Fortunately, whether because he was hungry or because he wanted to obey the dog... Hagrid ate the stale bread and drank the warm water. Then he reached over to pet Sirius, and Sirius allowed it. You remind me of Fang, Hagrid said, tears welling up in his eyes again. Hope Harry's taking good care of him. Harry? Sirius wondered. He's that old already? Sirius noticed that Hagrid's petting had stopped, and he found that Hagrid had fallen asleep again. He slipped away, back through the bars, and into his own cell. Just in time, as a Dementor guard glided by, apparently checking to see if anyone else was dying. After becoming secure in the fact that everyone else was alive, the Dementor returned to its vigil over the dying inmate. Sirius stayed human a bit more so he could watch the sun and moon to keep track of the time. For the next couple of days, he visited Hagrid for a moment at a time, making sure he was eating. He wasn't sure why he did this when the other inmate finally did die. The Dementors would return, and he'd probably forget about Hagrid. But Hagrid had been a friend, and Sirius had a a lot to atone for, besides... The inmate, he learned later, had been Barty Crouch's son. Sirius watched them bury him, noting that they'd probably return soon. But they didn't come for the rest of the day. In fact, Sirius heard footsteps, something he hadn't heard in the corridor since they brought Hagrid in. But these were too fast to be a prisoner, and there were too many, as if there there was an entire group. There was, in fact. He watched them walk by, going straight to Hagrid's cell. He heard a voice. Rubius Hagrid, it said. By the order of the Minister of Magic, you have been cleared of all charges against you, and you are welcome to resume your position at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry whenever you'd like. We are very sorry for your inconvenience. Sirius snorted quietly. Inconvenience. I can go? That was Hagrid's voice, sounding almost happy. He was getting out. Sirius almost smiled. He knew Hagrid was innocent. Yes, and for what it's worth, we truly are sorry about this. Sirius recognized the voice now. Cornelius Fudge, Minister of Magic. He came by every once in a while to see if Sirius was dead yet. I saw a grim. (laughs) Hagrid said absently, dazed by the good news. Really? Another voice said. We got to you just in time then. As Hagrid walked by, Fudge hung back, looking around the cells. His eyes fell on Sirius, and he seemed to give himself a satisfied nod. After what Sirius was almost certain was a couple of weeks, he saw Fudge again, once more searching the cells. Over here, Minister. 
he said, shocked by the sound of his own voice. As he came over, addressed just how Sirius had remembered him, he looked nervous. Sirius wasn't surprised, as a few people who were as lucid as Sirius after at least ten years in Azkaban. So, you're still here then, Fudge said finally. Last I checked, Fudge's hands were twisting something he held. The Daily Prophet, Sirius noted. Are you done with your paper, Minister? I've so missed the crossword. The end. Oh, that's a good ending. I liked it. That's a really good ending. I like that a lot. I thought it was sweet. Yeah. I, I Yes. Everything. <laughs> like, the revelation of what's Hagrid's hat. Because like, I, I don't know if we talked about it, but the revelation of Hagrid getting freed in the second book, or in the second movie, really does not have the same weight as it does in the book, apparently. No, it's a, it's a bigger to-do. But, you it, know. It's a whole lot of... Oh, Hagrid's back. Everyone clap permanently, forever, until your bones break. Hey, that's fine. He deserves it. Mm-hmm. And you know who deserves all the love from us? Who deserves all the love from us, Scotty? All of our lovely patrons at patreon.com slash BS. That's right. If you want to support this show, you can at patreon.com slash BS. You get access to our exclusive Discord where you can hang out and chat with us. You get shouted out on the show of your choice. We got people for BS. We got people for Fight Boys, but we need some fanatics in here. To shout out. So if you want to support us, if you want to get shouted out, you can at patreon.com slash a load of BS. And now, Brenna, it's time to delve back into the world of my boy, my sweet snails, my sweet summer child. Of course, last time we left him, we found that uh, Trey Monarch has uh, come to his aid. And of course, Trey is three elves in a coat. (laughs) Good, good boys. Uh Uh-huh, and they have revealed that the father, the father that he has always loved, the father he's always looked up to, uh, to be a perfect Slytherin, was actually a Dark Lord under Voldemort as well. So who knows what's gonna be next for Snails, but I think I know, and it's in this fanfiction. Let's do it. Alright. It's been four months since I learned about my dad. And I haven't stopped thinking about it since. I mean, I've tried my best to wrap my mind around why he could be turned to the dark arts, but it all keeps coming back to one thing, one little name that I've been cursed with. Slytherin. You see, I tried my best to maintain that we were a good house, that Slytherin was a name to be proud of, but I I can't anymore. That darkness, that... That darkness is in my blood, and I don't know if I can fight it. Nightmares flood my head every night. I wake up screaming from these nightmares where I see me shaking hands with Draco Malfoy as the world burned around us. Nightmares that refuse to stop. Mom doesn't know that I know about Dad, and she keeps telling me how proud she is of me. How proud she is of Slytherin House. I mean, I come home to Slytherin banners decorating the household, Slytherin Quidditch posters on the wall, and I can't take it. A few days ago, Bertram, our faithful owl, arrived at our window with a letter. I didn't want to read it, and I tried my best to shoo him away before Mom came in, but she did. And it said I had to go back. I had to go back to Hogwarts 
and study up in the Slytherin house. As mom read my letter, I decided then and there that I would go back, but I would stay away from Slytherin by any mean possible. I mean, the first day was relatively simple. I went to class, studied in the library until it was time for bed, and where I quietly ran back into my bunk and fell asleep. The next morning, Crumbles came to me, and I attempted to speak with, er, he attempted to speak with me, but I just ran. I knew he was our house elf, but I couldn't associate with him. I mean, he might be posing as Trey Monarch, but the sorting hat put him in Slytherin. That means he's just as bad as the rest of them. The next morning, I had divinations class, and I got an idea. Malfoy had been bragging about winning 10 points for Slytherin the night before in a duel, and I wanted to make sure those 10 points would matter just as much as Malfoy's little existence. Okay, class, Trelawney called out in that exhaustive tone of hers. Everyone focus your energies and look deep into the crystal ball and tell me what you see. Hmm. Well, looks like... Dumbledore without any pants on, I announced happily, causing the class to snicker and Trelawney to look at me in shock. Mr. Nails, I'm sure we all appreciate your joke, but focus clearly and tell me what you see. Hmm, well now, it looks like a teacher that doesn't know what she's saying and a class that doesn't matter. I announced back proudly, causing a hush to fall across the room. Trelawney once again stares at me in awe before announcing, Well, I certainly hope your little jokes will get you far in this world. Ten points from Slytherin. And just like that, Malfoy's little victory was rendered meaningless. I stare at him smirking before looking over to Joshua Oak, who seemed to be staring at me in shock. The Hufflepuff hadn't looked at me the same since I defeated him in a wizard's duel. While Trelawney's back was turned, I blew a note over to him, saying, Say that you see a dark return from a long-lost wizard. He stares at me confused as Trelawney looks to the rest of the class for an answer. He grumbles and crumples up that paper, tossing it to the side. I, I couldn't believe it. I was trying to help him. I was trying to get ten points for his house, and he disrespected that. Luckily, it landed at the feet of a young Ravenclaw named Simone Rathford, who quickly snatched it up and revealed its contents as her own answer. Miss Trelawney, my orb, it says, it says there's going to be a dark return. A dark return from a wizard long thought dead, she announces, causing Trelawney to recoil. What? A returning Dark Lord? Oh, this is not good. This is not good at all. Oh, I must tell Dumbledore about this immediately. Class dismissed, she announces before tacking on. Oh, and ten points to Ravenclaw. Excellent work, Miss Rathford. I smiled at my handiwork. I mean, it earned a glare from Malfoy and the unwanted disgust of Joshua, but I had done it. I ensured for one more day that Slytherin not win the House Cup. How did you do that? I heard a voice from behind me call, and when I turned, I saw Simone. That was astounding. What do you mean? I just made up some vaguely threatening premonition. I mean, I knew it freak out Trelawney, get us out of class, and it earned you guys a few points, so win-win, you know? But not a win for Slytherin. She comments with a furrowed brow as we both looked forward to see Draco angrily kicking at a wall before stubbing his toe. Yeah, yeah, it might be my house, but... I'm no Slytherin. 
I remark back and she smiles at me, a kind of smile that I'd never seen before. Her eyes were big and wide and beautiful. They reminded me of Joshua's, the way they lit up. That night, she snuck me into Ravenclaw Common Room, and we talked for hours. She was so intelligent with her words, like she had rehearsed the conversation for years, each conversation flowing seamlessly into one another. It was like we just fit. A few weeks passed, and Simone and I con continued our deception of the teachers. Anytime Simone didn't know an answer, she would tap on her desk in rhythmic succession. A few moments later, and a paper crane would arrive on her desk with the answer. We managed to nab about 40 points for Ravenclaw in those glorious weeks, and then, then the day came. The day of the Slytherin-Ravenclaw Quidditch match. Unfortunately, I had no spells for affecting the outcome of this, and Slytherin was defeating them by a hefty margin. I never got to see the ending, however, as halfway through the match, Simone pulled me away from the stands and we hid underneath them. I'd never been underneath the stands before. It was insanely loud, and the raucous crowd of Slytherins were literally vibrating the wood around us. I stared at her confused when she slowly walked towards me and grabbed my hands. Thank you. She commented quietly as her face started to come closer to mine. My eyes widened, and I panicked. What, what was she trying to do to me? My mind was racing when suddenly I felt her lips on mine. Mm. I'd never kissed anyone before, and it was... It was nice. She smiled that big smile again and looked at me with those big eyes and... I thought of Joshua. I need to go. I responded nervously as I rushed away into the castle. She tried calling after me, but her cries were for naught, as for a few minutes later, I found myself in the library once again. And that's where I stayed. For months, I kept trying to ignore it, reading higher-level books, studying for tests that would be years away, but every time his name, it kept coming back, Joshua, 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 what was wrong with me? I just had my first real kiss with a real-life girl, a very hot girl, I might add, and he was the only thing on my mind. Was it guilt? Was it panic? Why can't I get him out of my mind? Mind if I sit here? A voice calls out beside me. Joshua? I call out reflexively. It was then that I turned over to see Harry Potter, the boy who lived sitting right beside me. I stared at him in awe as he continued to look between me and the seat that he was attempting to take. Hello? Is this taken? I... Uh... You're Harry Potter. Eh, not the first time I've heard that one. He responds with a smirk before sitting down. You're snails, right? Uh, Samuel, actually. I respond nervously as he sets his books on the table in front of him, all involving werewolves for some reason. Ah, sorry about that. I saw your duel last year. It was pretty impressive stuff. He smiles at me once again as the name Joshua pops in my head again, over and over. Could, use, could have used a duelist like you in Gryffindor. Yeah, well, we could use a wizard like you in Slytherin. I respond with a smirk as I look down into my book. Yeah, not the first time I've heard that one either. He smiles as he picks up his book and begins to study, but his brow begins to furrow. I could watch as he read the same paragraph over and over again, trying to grasp its contents. He might be the boy who lived, but he was having problems. <coughs> having some trouble there? I mean, that's a pretty high-level book you got there. I read it a few weeks ago. I respond as I leaned over to help him with his studies. Thanks. 
He smiled at me. It was a strange feeling helping out Harry Potter, but it felt nice. You know, you Slytherins aren't so bad after all. This sentence stung me. It was a sentence I prayed was true, but I just nodded and leaned down into his book. We went back and forth for several minutes on the differences between animagus and werewolves and the various intricacies within both when suddenly a voice comes from behind me. Hey, Sam, I need your help. I turned to see Simone looking at me with a smile. Before I could reply, she quickly scooped me up and began running me into a nearby dueling chamber. I I need your help. I've got a Hufflepuff trying to duel me and I need a second. She smiles as we enter the room to discover a young Hufflepuff by the name of Jennifer Roxcliffe standing on the dueling platform. Snape was watching over the proceedings and standing next to Jennifer was Joshua. I froze. He was staring at me with those same sad eyes from last year where we were stood on that same dueling platform. Before I could do anything, Simone quickly grabbed me and whispered into my ear, Remember that spell you did last year? When I give the signal... Blast him. What? I tried to respond, but it was too late. Simone was already on the platform and the duel had begun and... Jennifer was good. I mean, she was really good. I mean, the two seemed evenly matched in the beginning, but Jennifer's power began to come out and Simone was clearly bested. Until I saw her tap her wand on her hip in that same rhythmic pattern from class. I sigh as she holds out her wand and announces, Confringo! Nothing came out of her wand. At least, nothing appeared to until a, a massive ball of fire suddenly shoots across the platform from my own wand. It was powerful, like all of my emotions of the previous months came out at once, and Jennifer was scared. I almost saw tears build up in her eyes until suddenly she was knocked away from the platform by Joshua. She fell to the ground, and Joshua's body quickly met with that fireball <laughs> falling to the ground in pain. And it was horrifying. Very brave, Mr. Oak. But, unfortunately, Miss Roxcliffe was knocked from the platform, meaning Miss Rathford has won. Ten points to Ravenclaw. She celebrated and jumped down from that platform before giving me a massive kiss on the cheek, but I was still focused on Joshua. His body... His body wasn't moving. Nurses quickly came in and ushered him away as I watched in terror. Hey, I called after Simone, who had begun celebrating, walking back to the common room. She turns back to me as I rush after her, breathless. I, I, I can't do this anymore. And not after that. I nearly killed him. Oh, okay. She smiles as she responds before attempting to head back. I grab her arm and stop her. Okay. And it, it's just over like that? I was confused. I mean, I was single-handedly putting Ravenclaw at the top of the board every single day, and the fact that she was just willing to let it end, it, it was strange. Oh, yeah. I can just find someone else. It's fine. She was surprisingly calm. Her voice was cold, and her stance was solid. Find someone else? What are you talking about? I respond as she giggles before checking for any listening ears. Oh, Nails, you're, you're a sweet kid. You really are, but you have to know you're not the first person to help out Ravenclaw like this. Many have come and many will go and we'll keep climbing the charts until we win that house cup. What? You're cheating your way to the top? I respond dumbfounded as she leans in to kiss me on the cheek once again. 
Oh, snails, didn't anyone ever tell you? Her lips graze my ear as she whispers, Ravenclaws are just Slytherins that don't get caught. <laughs> and then she left. I never saw her again after that, and apparently she didn't find anyone else to help her out as Gryffindor won the House Cup once again, and I wasn't mad. I mean, Harry seemed like a nice guy, good at studying. They deserved it, but something Harry kept said kept sticking with me. You Slytherins aren't so bad after all. I didn't want to tell him the truth. I didn't want to tell him that we were destined for darkness, that our name was a dark mark on our career as wizards. I nearly killed Joshua Oak this year, even when I wasn't on Slytherin's side. I can't control what's within me, no matter what I do. I'm a Slytherin, through and through. I tried to fake a smile when I got into Mom's car. I mean, she had a Slytherin jersey waiting for me, proudly presenting it alongside another letter. Once again, my father's name was written on the outside of the envelope. I slowly opened it and began to read. Dear son, congratulations on your third year at Hogwarts. Hope you're doing Slytherin proud. This year, it, Mom, who writes these? I ask quietly as I fold the paper back up and place it in the envelope. What do you mean? Those are from your father. I interrupt her. I was done with the excuses. Quit lying. I know about Dad. I know what he did. I know what he is. Who writes these? I stare at her as she attempts to avoid my gaze staring at the road. After a lengthy silence, she speaks up. I do. She looks at me teary-eyed as we pull up outside the house. I know what your father did was wrong, but... I need you to know that evil isn't inside of you. You can fight it, Sammy. I know you can. Please, please. She continued to speak, but I was done listening. I crumpled up that paper and tossed it into the floorboard before exiting the car and running into my room. I didn't speak to my mom for weeks after that. Dinners were silent exercises in pain, and the rest of the time was spent in my room studying. I had to become strong. I had to become more powerful than ever before to stop what was inside of me. I had started off thinking I could save Hogwarts. And I failed. Then I thought I could save Slytherin. And I failed. My only mission now is to save myself. And I pray I don't fail. To be continued. Oh, my boy, Snails gets my heart. <laughs> Snails, the precious, sweet summer child. I love him a ton. Yes, it's just getting worse and worse. Like, I was I was trying to think, like, when I started, I was like, I'll do it like Star Wars. One ends happy, one ends sad, one ends happy. And then this time I'm like, let's just keep fucking this guy up. Yeah, man, this, this is probably the best one so far. I really, I like Simone. I don't think I'm supposed to, but I do. No, she's a bitch. <laughs> Fuck Simone. Yeah, that was fully... Uh, someone once said, Ravenclaws are just Slytherins that don't get caught. And I was like, oh, I, that's coming into play. Yeah, I liked that a bunch. Mm -hmm. But yeah. And I, I do love the fact that just Joshua Oak has now become a fucking like fireball yeah. attractor. What are you doing? Like, why are we killing people with fireballs? 
He's not dead. I know, but... He's almost dead. Theoretically. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a reason. It's fine. It'll come into play eventually, probably. All right, we'll get there. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Miss Brenna, it's been an episode. Always. Where can they find you on the internet? Look me up on just about everything your heart desires on... At Brennasaur, B-R-E-N-N-A-S-A-U-R. And you can find me on Twitter at Scotty Mo, S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O. And you can buy all my books on Amazon. You can get the Quiesel Corp Trilogy, BS vs. the Gods, or go to audibletrial.com slash a load of BS. Get your free 30-day trial of Audible, and you can get... Quizzle Corp, Quizzle Corp Risen, and soon BS versus the Gods. So make sure to check all that out. Check out all the other shows at a load of pure BS.com. And remember to support us either on Patreon or pick up some fun fiction merch at merch.aloadofpurebs.com. Make sure to rate, comment, subscribe, and send in your fan fiction for next week's episode, which is going to be Gravity Falls, a show I have never seen before, which means I'm going to have to do a lot of catching up by next week, I guess. I'm going to go ahead and say we don't have to watch the whole show, but we can just get a feel of it. <laughs> we'll do. I'm probably going to watch season one, so I'll get through season one. So check that out. But until next time, Miss Brenna. Uh, stay away from baby Hitler, guys. Oh, wait, hold on. I've got the time turner. We're going to go back. We're going to get him. Oh, God. 